1960, ITV executive Sidney Newman asked Brian Clemens to rework the Ian Hendry suspense show Police Surgeon into something called The Avengers. The programme lasted almost the entire decade of the 1960s and became integral in shaping the mod scene in England. Some of its stars, Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg and Patrick McNee, became icons of the spy movie culture that ran rampant through the middle part of that decade. These Avengers don't wear tights, they don't wield magic hammers or fancy shields, but the women are stunningly beautiful and squeezed into tight leather cat suits, so there is that. Join Thomas DJ, top professional, and Scott McGregor, talented amateur, as they journey through an England that didn't exist, but maybe should have, with umbrella, charm, and bowler. You know, that other Avengers podcast. Clown. <laughs> you could arrange to have that song in this podcast. You want the Judy yeah. Collins or someone else? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Isn't it rich? Are we a pair? at last on the Yes, today, one of the three, well, two and a half episodes, and still no John Steed. No, but <laughs> it had a beginning, a middle, and an ending, so that was a big step up. So Yeah, and and Dr. Keel had a, a, a an assistant of sorts. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, I'm Tom DJ, Top Professional. I'm Scott McGregor, Talented Amateur. And welcome once again to With Umbrella, Charm, and Bowler. Yeah. We are still in the first season of The Avengers, 1961 to 1962. This is, uh, the name of this episode was Girl on Trapeze. It was, uh, directed by Don Lever and written by Dennis Spooner, who will go on when, um, he go, when, um, Doctor Who starts up. Dennis Spooner will do a number of episodes during the first couple of seasons for, for Doctor Who. So, who wants to summarize this uh, I, I mean, I, it's it's fairly cut and dried. Um, it was okay. a little confusing. I liked uh, liked kind of some of the twists in this one, but I mean, it's all around the circus. We get to go to the circus this episode, yes. and it essentially starts off with uh, somebody leaping from a bri- leaping slash getting pushed. We don't know uh, from a bridge and some kind of mysterious attack. At the at the circus itself, the the clown um, kind of chokes out. Well, we we're not sure exactly what happens, but uh, yeah, another person that's behind the scenes of the circus, and and we meet the uh, lady that who rides the trapeze, presumably most of the time, right? And uh, uh, and then Doctor Keel is brought in and, and does some little investigating himself, and we we find barbiturates and and you know, possible murders and some, some foreign intrigue going on. So yeah, I, I enjoyed this fully. Um, so he gets to go to the circus with Car- Carol is his, uh, new receptionist slash nurse. love interest. Okay. I wasn't sure about that. Yet, I, I'm but, not sure yeah. about that either, but nice to see Dr. Keel get up, get back up on the horse though. Only like six yeah. episodes later from, from losing his, his fiance. So, that was him losing his fiance in the first yes. one, right? Yeah, okay. That was yeah. him. Yes, that was the last thing we saw in that fragment. Yeah. So I mean, so. that was uh, you know a little cringeworthy at first. I'm like, oh mm-hmm. man, are you going to go there already? I would think the trauma wouldn't be over yet, but well, you <laughs> he, know, he, and... he doesn't have a problem just dragging her right into the the mission. Yeah. 
<laughs> which is you know questionable well, judgment on his part. She's a recurring character. I do know that. Okay, she, I was I was wondering. She'll show up several times. She'll show up several times. Although we're not going to see her, I don't think again. Right. But as uh, Doctor Keel's time is up after next after next right, episode. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, actually, uh, I got a little sense near the end. She has her own little heroic moment, and I'm like, hmm, is she like a plant from Skeed? Is she like the? Uh, <laughs> The seeds well, the of... thing that's interesting is that um, it's obvious this show seems to be feminist even this early on. Yeah, I mean she's she's quite a bit more of a badass than than Doctor Keel is. <laughs> he he just kind of blunders into it, and he's kind of lucky to have survived the episode at all. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I'll let you continue oh. with the synopsis because you probably have a better memory about these things oh. than I did, and I a didn't. Woman write it out so. jumps or is pushed from the thames um the keel is on the scene because he's on his way to uh, a dinner date with a with a friend of his mm-hmm. and they fish out the body the thing in the body is it's rather odd. it's dead and it's rather odd it turns out that she was given some barbiturates and he recognizes the face. Yeah. So he and Carol spend an inordinate amount of time looking through magazines. I mean, we get to see all that. Yeah. Uh, and then he recognizes her as being the trapeze artist for the Radrick, I think. Isn't it Radic? No, Radic. Radic. And, and, the Radic State Circus. And I, I'm going to ask probably a stupid question here, but that was just kind of like a made-up country, wasn't it? That's what I figured. <laughs> they just didn't want to, you know, piss off any actual countries at the time by naming them. So it was kind of like a Russia analog, really, you know. And, and of course, they they scream like basically claim diplomatic immunity at one point in it and all that good stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. and, and since they recognize her as being in the circus and the. T- Tonight is the last performance of the circus. They rush over and speak to the first of a long line uh, of Avengers eccentrics, our ticket booth lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a treat. Yeah. <laughs> you, you will see, I mean, as the show goes on, you will see the Britishness of this show gets more and more obvious. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. As I said, for some reason, I. I latched onto that stuff as a kid, even though I don't understand what some, you know, they're talking about at many times, but, you know, because they're all referencing local stuff and then those weird British sounding addresses and stuff, you know. Well, he, um, he buys tickets, goes inside and decides to put his nose where it don't belong. He is overheard calling his friend, the superintendent by Stefan, who is, I guess, the ringleader. There are, there are three people involved in this conspiracy. Stefan, who is played by Edwin Richfield, who we will see many times throughout this journey. Uh, the Avengers have this had this habit of using actors over and over and over again, almost like a repertory company. Um, and Edward Richfield, it, you know, will be seen all the way throughout to the ver- to the very last season. He's he's in six episodes. Then we get uh, Kenneth J. Warren playing Zibbo. He also will show. In fact, most significantly in one of the weirder uh, Mrs. Peel color episodes, epic mm-hmm. as Max von Schreck. <laughs> and um, Delena Kid as Vera Karsova. I'm just going to take a look and see if she. Uh, appeared multiple times. Um, you will kind of recognize, you know, she only appeared the one, but you will kind of re- recognize uh, Ridgefield and uh, and Warner because they have that guy faces. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he's in Edward Ridgefield was in a lot of. He was in uh, Quatermass in the Pit, which is a great science fiction film that I covered recently on Domicile and Dread. Um, and they are, they, they tell Dr. Keel, oh, well, uh, she, the trapeze artist had a fall and she had a concussion. 
That's why she's lying in her be- in her uh, room, all bandaged up. I, I don't know. Did you think that they overdid the bandaging? Well, I thought she was dead at first, and I thought yeah. I thought Keel was going to be like, "No, you idiot! He, she's dead." You know, she's not just you know, because he almost had that look like he was looking at the guy. It's like I'm the doctor here, and you're trying to tell me what her condition is. And yeah, I thought she was dead at first, and this idiot henchman was just trying to like pass her off a lot as just being unconscious. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work for you, um, <laughs> being that he's a doctor. Uh, but yeah i mean it was it was kind of a confusing episode in a lot of ways but you know eventually they they spell it out for you and but but that was the best part of it kind of is it was definitely a a mystery going on you know yeah it's always fun to see you know old school research when people actually had to open up books you know pre-internet spying must have just been laborious beyond words um. <laughs> well, Howard, uh, we see several scenes of Superintendent Lewis played by Howard Gorney. He's the, I guess, the Steve stand-in or something. I right, don't know. Is he's not recurring at all, though? Cause he, no, he... to the best of my knowledge, this is the uh, the first and only time. I, I looked him up, I didn't see him appearing in any other episodes. But uh, we see him going through the records. Yeah. At least on two occasions, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, Keel and and Carol were looking up stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. So what it turns out is that there was a scientist, a metallurgist, who recently defected from Reddick. Mm-hmm. And his daughter, they, they have kidnapped his daughter because they have a, a visa... Uh, it was like a special diplomatic visa for 83 people. Right. And so one, they get rid of one who is planning on defecting and put the daughter of this scientist in and use her as leverage to get him to return to Radic. Yeah, quite clever. Quite clever. But they didn't count on... The bumbling uh, investigations of Dr. Keel, yeah. Dr. Keel. <laughs> Who luckily has friends at Scotland Yard or he'd yeah. be in real trouble. But, and, and... Uh, I was particularly impressed with the, I'm assuming they were cops who were dressed as, as acrobats. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't figure that one out at first, too. I'm like, why are all the circus people fighting each other and, at the end? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this must be part of the plan that we just weren't in on, I guess. <laughs> I don't remember them explaining if they were going to go undercover, right. but well, it worked. <laughs> now, this is still, it's still shot. Uh, this is kind of like a kinescope. It was apparently found in 2001 in the archives at UCLA. <laughs> wow. Okay. Which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, because um, none of the, none of the episodes, at least the series before, um, the fourth season, the first Emma Peel season, aired originally in the United States. Right. Hmm. Um, it is one of only two episodes where Seed is completely absent. Mm-hmm. We get to see quite a bit of circus. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't very entertained by Zabo's act myself. Well, for for the budget they must have been working on, it was nice they had any, like, circus footage at all. Yeah. So I was actually impressed that, that they showed us any of it. I figured it was all just going to be like, you're at a circus, just believe it, and we're going to do all the scenes in these three rooms, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I think the, the most valuable player here is, is, is uh, Ingrid Hafner as, as Carol. Yeah, uh, yeah. Carol's got some spunk in her. Yeah, it was a nice little twist. That's that's why I was like, wow, is she like an undercover spy that Steed is, you know, <laughs> sent to keep an eye on on Rich, you know, Doctor Keel for us or I, something? I admit, I will uh, admit, there is a moment, there is a moment, and where I figured out what was about to happen, like five seconds before it actually happened, and I was like, oh, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and the, the big reveal is that she's actually, you know, ends up being the girl in the bandages and, and takes out one of the bad guys. Yeah, and so that was pretty neat. <laughs> oh, uh, 
it's it's an interesting episode. Unfortunately, I think we can kind of see one of the problems, which is that Kiel's not a very interesting character. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really like him as an actor in this. And, and, oh, you know, he's a great actor, yeah, yeah. And it's just, he's, yeah, it's just how do you write something, you know, like that and stretch it out to 50 minutes. And I think they did a pretty good job. And, yeah, he had to carry most of it. But that, huh, I don't know. I, I literally just watched it last night. So I'm maybe right. still processing. But, yeah, it was enjoyable. As I said, the, the mystery and the intrigue was there. And that's what we're looking for, I guess. And, flows it it it, it uh, even though there is there is a, a sequence uh that's just um keel and carol in the stands watching zibbo the clowns act yeah which leads to zibbo recognizing keel which leads to his investigation being found out yeah but other than than that and the the Looking through magazines montage. Yeah. It, it, it moves pretty well. But there's not a lot of... Everything kind of plays its part, even the superintendent's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course, because he does a little code word, basically. You know, he, mm-hmm. when when they're meeting, and at one point, Dr. Keel is, you know, under threat of harm to Carol... So he's being made to, uh, you know, basically say oh, everything's okay because he he calls he, the the cops in and and gets discovered, of course, and so they give him the big threat and the uh, really sad looking gun. Man, these these henchmen got to get more impressive looking guns. That's what I've got to say. I, you know, I'm sure that'll that'll be dealt with eventually. But you know, these they're carrying like these. I mean, it looked like a starter pistol. I would not be that intimidated by that gun. Um, <laughs> And I'm, I'm tangenting, um, but yeah, he, um, he he offers some medical advice to the uh, to the inspector and, and tells him not to take a powder. You know, take some aspirin, and and so somehow that that was a good enough code word for the inspector to figure out what was going on. And uh, yeah, it was actually good to see you know some 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 police surgeon stuff going on because he got to do a little impromptu autopsy or well, not really yeah. autopsy but uh well he did do an autopsy on you know or checked well, out the, the dead woman the... at first yeah right but then um, examines the the concussion victim slash barbiturate nearly overdose victim um, more drugs a lot of drugs in merry old england i guess <laughs> apparently uh, a lot of people uh, shooting the, up people in barbiturates the actor by the way david gray who uh, played the police surgeon, the mm-hmm. one who does the autopsy. Right. He's going to show up at the very end of our journey in an episode, a Terror King episode called All Done With Mirrors, which also stars Edward Richfield. Edwin Richfield. But neither one of them being the characters they played before, right? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're going to see You're going to see this a lot. Uh, I'm Chris, usually confused. I'm counting yes. on you to walk me through this. <laughs> um... You're going to see this a lot with these char- these actors just appearing in different forms over and over and over again. Uh, Christopher Lee famously appears in two episodes in two nice. different seasons, playing okay. two separately different characters. Now, you said John Cleese shows up eventually, too. John right? Cleese shows up in the last season, yes. And I, and I thought at first you said he was the clown in this one. and I'm No, 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 no. He, he is the curator of the clown registry in an episode okay. called... Listen, stop me if you heard this one. That's but there right. were these two felons. All right, now I remember you, you talking about that one. Yeah, because I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, "There's that's not John Cleese unless, yeah. you know, this, you know, <laughs> unless he started out looking worse than he, he ended up. <laughs> so that threw me off for a second. I kept looking for John Cleese. I misunderstood. I do that. But, um... Yeah. So as far as our, our categories, I'm, I'm just, oh, I just want to look to make sure that we get seen in the next episode. Yeah, not a bad call. Not uh, a bad call. As, as far as our categories that we decided mm-hmm. to like talk about for all the yes. episodes, this one again doesn't doesn't cover a lot of them. Um, we do have like the medical subplot, sort of, of the mysterious dead body, I guess. Um, Eccentrics, you know, you, you really can't go wrong yeah. with the circus of crime. So that's this just stu- chock full of eccentrics. 
including a dwarf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who actually is is a fairly famous the the, the dwarf actor in um that was like Bibbo's partner. Now I gotta go look it up again. But he actually appeared in a number of films, including The Mask of the Red Death. Mm-hmm. Um, Girl on the Trapeze. There we go. You play the baboon? I, mean, I don't remember. Wasn't it a baboon, Mask of the Red Death? No, what I'm thinking. No. Well, uh, well, there was. He. I'm thinking of Murders in the Room Org, aren't I? Yeah. No, Murders in the Room Org is about the, the, the monkey with the razor blade. Right. Um, but the thing about Mask of the Red Death, Roger Corman frequently folded in because, you know, most Poe stories are relatively short. Yeah. So to pad out the runtime, Corman would frequently fold in other stories. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Skip Martin, who is the name of the, the dwarf actor. I don't know if we, we can call him. I, I guess we can call him dwarfs. I, last I knew it was supposed to be little people, but I don't keep yeah. up on those things. So, um, Apologies. All, all yeah. little people complaints can be sent to uh, cheapscottproductions at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, but in Mask of the Red Death, Corman folded in the short story Hop Frog, which was about a uh, uh, deformed, uh, you know, a, a disabled jester getting vengeance on the people who mocked him. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm assuming that his character in Mask of the Red Dead was that was the, the character in Hop Frog. Right. He also appeared in uh, Horror Hospital, 1973. And Vampire Circus, which features a young Lala Ward, later to become the second Romana on Doctor Who. Ah, okay. Oh, I would love to know how these things ended up in um, UCLA. UCLA. Um, There's there's apparently a a fourth episode, sorry, I guess a third and a half episode that's been found very recently uh, Tunnel of Fear but that's not in the listing that we got that we're mm-hmm. had to be uh, some like you know eccentric film professor or something you know that just like sought it out somewhere along the line and maybe wanted to teach his class about the, the glory of the Avengers <laughs> <laughs> right really because I mean how else would it get there just... well there the one possibility is that I, I know that some episodes were struck on film, were struck on 16-millimeter film to be used on airlines mm-hmm. as, for, as, like, in-flight movies. Right, nice. I, I don't know when that practice started. There's a possibility they may have struck a 16-millimeter print for an for, for some commercial reason, and it somehow ended up in Los Angeles. Yeah, taken out of the back of a fiery plane crash, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Mysterious gentleman in a bowler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the thing about about, about this is, is, of course, this, and uh, I think the next two seasons are were broadcast live. Mm-hmm. So what we're watching is basically a kinescope. Which is why it has that rather weird look to it. No, you don't mean it was actually a live performance. It was. It was being taped live. Oh, okay. Because I mean, it uh, does have the, a very theatrical feel, and particularly yeah. the ending. It's just like, well, curtain call, got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets wrapped up very quickly without any real, mm-hmm. ep- you know, epilogue at all. Yeah. They're shot live until season four. Season four is the first uh, season that is shot exclusively on film. That's the first Emma Peel uh, season in black and white. So um, it's interesting. It's still it's obvious right now that that it's still neither fish nor fowl. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a spy show still, though, because they had the, the this whole plot about smuggling people out to blackmail defectors. But it's still kind of a conventional police show, too. Yeah. Well, it's it's the foreign stuff that makes it a you know intrigue, and you know, as I said, they they do almost kind of 
lay out the whole, we can do what we want, diplomatic immunity thing at one point. Yeah. Um, diplomatic immunity! Or at least Keel's uh, told to, you know, walk on eggshells so he doesn't cause an international incident, essentially. <laughs> with, with a circus, because that could start World War Three. we know. Um, that would be one of the sillier reasons for us yeah. to go to World War Three, but not necessarily the silliest. I don't know. Here we go. I was just looking up uh, Dennis Spooner because, like I said, Dennis Spooner, um, we missed, by the way, some of the episodes that are missing between the first episode and this episode was the first episode written by Brian Clemens himself. Mm -hmm. But uh, he um, did 21 episodes of Doctor Who, including the the meddling monk um, arc. Which is pretty famous. Most of this from the first first couple of seasons, the the William Hartnell season. I'm, I'm not that huge of a Whovian that I, I know that That's history okay. well enough, but he yeah. also wrote for Thunderbirds. All right. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, we all and people are going what? <laughs> Thunderbirds <laughs> well, was a was a puppet show. Yeah. But it was a cool puppet show. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of these actors, I think it was the. Uh, yeah, Ivor Salter, police sergeant. I said looked familiar. Had done uh, the the nineteen eighties Tripods TV series, which I oh, yeah, got I to catch some of. And he was in a couple episodes of UFO, I think, but the looks of it. So, yeah, I've seen him on a bunch of stuff over the years too that I didn't even realize I was watching. Probably, except UFO was was a very big show for me. Yeah, that's, I mean, you, you watch anything, really, from from Britain. <laughs> or yeah. even, you know, like, the, the even the movie channels yeah. do these regular series now kind of pass around the same actors. <laughs> um, but generally, nowadays, they, they all pay, play the same characters. Yeah. So, so, as I said, but, yeah, that's like, going to be weird. Hammer Films did this a lot, where there were certain actors like uh, Ivor Francis and uh, Michael Ripper, who just appeared as different supporting characters uh, in different fi- in different film series. Yep. Hey, it's called suspension of disbelief for a reason, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so he also, by the way, uh, Ivor Salter also appeared in the show that they tried to make that was kind of a, a cross between Doctor Who and. Um, the Avengers over at the BBC, Adam Adamant. Adam Adamant, okay. That's Adam sounds Adamant vaguely familiar, a, too. Okay, this is, maybe we can look into this when, when we're, we're done with the, with uh, this run. Adam Adamant was a like adventurer, Victorian adventurer who gets frozen in time because, because his uh, enemy has gone forward in time, and he comes out in the, the modern day to, to fight him. Okay. And it was, uh, it was, I think, the show right after Doctor Who that Verity Lambert produced. Verity Lambert being the first producer of Doctor Who. I know far too much Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> and you can no doubt tell. But there you go. There, there's not much yet to report, I guess. We're still, I mean, I think this is just such a weird thing because it is not, you know, it is not a Steed episode. We have yet to see Steed and uh, Dr. Keel interact. Yeah. But as far as our, our categories here, we had a good fight at the very least. We're going yeah. to give MVP of the day to Carol. Definitely. Yeah. Strangeness, again, circus of crime, plenty of strange to go around there. Uh, no scenes in the nightclubs uh, this episode at all. No champagne that I I noticed. Right. Um, kinkiness factor. I do think Dr. Keel and Carol might have something going on. <laughs> uh, we may never know, but uh, yep, that's that's a possibility. And I don't remember any songs other than general uh, circus music. So and there was some and there was some medical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we will, we will probably see in. Uh, the next episode that we have that's available, which is The Frighteners. Right. And hopefully a Steed sighting, finally. Hopefully, yeah. This one has <laughs> Steed in it. I looked it up. Okay, cool. And, and after that, we go directly to Season 2 and the dawn 
of I think the first episode of season two is the first Cat and Gale episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, the first Cat and Gale episode, and I really, I, I've I've seen everything from season two on, and I can definitely say that this episode, uh, uh, the first episode of season two, which we'll get to in the episode after next episode, is really really good. It's really fun. Looking forward to it. I, I'm, it was good to see a complete episode and. I'm, I'm on for the ride, as they say. So hopefully you all at home are enjoying this some. Right. I am, I am, we'll get into more detail once the show... Because the show, I, I think, begins to start to mutate into what we recognize as the Avengers. Right. Starting in Season 2. Pretty soon, yeah. yeah. So, um, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the three assistants he has in that one. But... When we get to see episode four, but so far that's it. Girl on the trapeze, it's pretty good. No steed. <laughs> no. Now I, I would be remiss in my weekly heroics podcast duties if I didn't ask you what you thought of the first episode of Doom Patrol. It takes a deep <laughs> breath. Now, I, for context, when I sold my my comic book collection in 2015. One of the few things I kept was a bound collection of the first Doom Patrols. Mm-hmm. They're among my favorite properties. I have seen, read every version of the Doom Patrol except for the new one, the one that Jared Way did for his uh, pop-up imprint a couple of years ago. Now, is it a comic that goes back a ways? I know like virtually nothing about the history. It goes but... back to the 60s. In because right, I thought... I thought that it was essentially it's it's named as like the inspiration for the X Men, correct? There is some uh, discussion about because Doom Patrol was released roughly three months before the first issue of X Men. Right. I don't think that's true. What I do think, though, is that Doom Patrol was a con- was patterned somewhat after the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. in that you have these. Um, especially the original. If you've ever have you ever read the original document Stanley wrote that pitched the Fantastic Four to his uh to his uh. I'm sure I have over the years. It, it doesn't. I actually have books with it in it, but um. In the original pitch document, the everybody is really freakish. Um, he describes Reed as not being able to snap back quickly yeah. so it takes a while uh, Sue is permanently invisible but has to like wear a face mask so right. people know where she is um, so it, it, Doom Patrol in its original concept was very close to the Fantastic Four in that you had these four weirdos yeah. um, led by a genius and they're strong they're, 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 their tank is a guy made of an a, a big orange guy. Yeah. And there's a stretchy person, although that's not how Elastigirl's powers work, dude. Okay. <laughs> that's that's not... Okay, here's the thing. First off, I guess I should not have been surprised that uh, of the foul-mouthedness. Yeah, I didn't expect full-on boobs. I was posting oh, on... <laughs> character was there solely because they wanted somebody to flash their boobs. Yeah, I don't it, think it's a great call for the DC universe, but I... Uh, um, for my first my first impression of Brandon Fraser was, my god, he got huge! <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he definitely he, did. He's a, he's a big boy now. Yeah, well, it's age has done similar things to my body, so Oh, I, yeah, to mine. <laughs> uh, but... Um, I have no idea what they thought they were adding by making each member of the Doom Patrol from a different decade. Yeah. Okay, so that's original, not, yeah. That's that's not in the, the original comics. They are all contemporaries. I think that they're, it's obvious they're trying to do the Morrison Rumors. It's probably the best run of the book. Mm-hmm. Because, they, but they, they got the sense of humor wrong. It's, it's very self-aware and very snarky, but it, it the humor in uh, the Morrison run is much more Monty, much less SNL and much more Monty Python. Right. 
Oh, speaking of Morrison, before I forget, which yeah. I have throughout this entire podcast so far, did you realize that he did a Steed and uh, Emma Peel yes. comment? Yes, I, 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 I had it for a while, and it's lost in time. Yes, he did one half. It was called, I think, I think, um, I think it was called Steed and Peel, and the first half, it was th- it was a three-issue miniseries. Right. And the first issue and a half was a Steed story with Tara King. Okay. And the second story that started midway through the issue number two and to issue number three was the first, was basically the story about Mrs. Peel after she leaves with her husband at the end of season six. Huh, okay. I have to give props where it's due is our, our friend uh, David Walker from, from Belfast, Ireland, um, who I've podcasted with several times, um, gave me a heads up on it and provided some digital copies for me. So right. I'm looking forward to diving well, into those. We can we can probably review those as we get, because there, yeah. there is ephemera out there. Yeah. So, um, but... Yeah, yeah sorry to derail it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I would have forgotten it if I didn't bring it up right I then. I didn't mention Brent Morrison. <laughs> yeah. Um, the original members so are uh, the chief. I think Timothy Dalton is great as the chief. Yeah, he's great as everything. Um, One of the Cliff. best Bonds. Fight me. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. I, oh, no, no, no. no. I, <laughs> see... For me, Timothy Dalton is the best Bond because he's the closest we ever got to the Ian Fleming. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I, I I like him the best. But anyway, um, Cliff is a is a is a um, Cliff, uh, robot man. Cliff is uh, one of the originals. If you cut out all the cursing that he does, yeah, Brendan Fraser's got a handle on the character. Yeah. Um, I didn't see enough of last. Very trainer, negative man, you know, or as I call him, gay mummy person. Yeah. I don't know where the. I'm, I'm assuming that that's somewhere down the line, maybe in the Gerard Way issues or something, they introduced the idea that Larry was gay. Yeah. Because he's actually, in the Morrison run, he's actually asexual. He starts calling himself Regis and he claims to be a both sexes. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um. And I have no idea what they were doing with the last girl. I really don't. The last girl is the third of the original. Is the, the third member of the original? Um, the or the origin they got they got the origins all pretty much right. Um, Elastic Girl's powers do not work the way they do in, in the show. They don't seem to do much of anything except dissolve yeah. her into a blob so far. Yeah. So. <laughs> in, the, in the series, she was able to grow and shrink at will. Okay. And was able to, like, for example, if, if like, a, a car was coming or something, she could enlarge one of her hands. Right, okay. To, to stop, just to, to stop the, somebody. Yeah, I didn't really see a lot of practical use for her condition yeah. in this episode. I have no idea why they decided to make her a, a 50s movie star and make her a uh, kind of creepy racist. Yeah. Which is also not part of the uh, part of the original series. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're planning on accomplishing with that either, but... <laughs> Just like I have no idea why they made... Larry, a closeted homosexual. Not that there's anything wrong with. I, one of the things I love about the Berlanti DC uh, series is that there are different sexual identities just there. Yeah, yeah. They're not drawing attention. They don't draw attention to it. It's just there are gay people. Yeah. And there are trans people. Uh, one of the problems I'm having with Supergirl right now is I think they're making too much of the fact instead of just going, here's a trans person. Yeah, deal they're, with it. They're, they're really making a big deal out of it. It's yeah. like, look at us. Look at how proud we It's like, no. Yeah. Just let her be a character. I will say the, the, the scenes she had with that waitress really drove home that there's something, that, there's the nugget of, an, of a good idea about what they're trying to do with her. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I love the fact that she bonded with this stranger over over her movies yeah. and she seemed to get 
kind of a contentment out of knowing that her her work helped this woman during a tough time. Yeah. Um, um, Diane Guerrero, you know, plays Tracy Jane, who is the, an original character from the Morrison run. She was okay. introduced after Invasion. During the during the course of Invasion, if you remember, there was a, a meta bomb exploded. That oh, okay, yeah. A lot of people's meta genes. Right. Crazy Jane was one of the people who supposedly was triggered by the by the meta bomb. Unfortunately, since she has sixty four distinct personalities, each personality has a different superpower. Which is convenient. Which is which is <laughs> uh, Diane Guerrero has that character down. I loved her. I, I watched her over on uh, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. I'm an avid and fan of that show. It seems to be... I, I wonder if Frazier and, and Guerrero collaborated a bit because a key element of the Morrison run was this relationship that was very f- familial, sometimes borderline romantic. Yeah, yeah, I thought they had great chemistry. Cliff and and Jane, and they got that right, and it seemed like the the show, once the show glommed onto that, it stabilized a bit. So what they got right, they got really, really right. They got wrong. (laughs) Um, I know you I yes. know you're a fan of Alan Tudyk, but uh, <laughs> Mr. Nobody is is insufferable. <laughs> well, that the whole narration from him throughout yeah. it was pretty cringeworthy, and I hope they don't keep sticking to that for too long. I guess it's good for the the pilot episode and do some exposition, but yeah, it just it was not necessary, and it's like fourth wall breaking and yeah. Uh, it just didn't do anything for me. But as someone who had no investment in the characters at all, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was written really well. I thought the actors killed it. And um, again, I watched Titans, so I'm kind of already used to the whole F word every two minutes thing. Right. And the boobs did take me out of it. Not that I don't enjoy my you know boobs, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, what are you doing, DC? You know, I mean, we get it. You want to be they, they, I, they want to be adults, but they they're they want to be. A- a 14-year-old teenage gamer's idea of adult. Yeah, yeah. Which is lots of curse words and violence and... Uh, and I feel like there's just some... They felt some impetus to to just do one one notch bigger than the Marvel flick shows. You know, that maybe we've got a little side boob and some hints at some nasty sex uh, in the I Marvel flicks. Like Jones, there was, you know, Kristen Ritter... Was nude, naked, yeah. naked, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, and that but was yeah. Generally, that was pertinent to the plot or pertinent to her character. Yeah, it really I, I, having Brendan, big, big ass Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that was not an image I could easily scrub from my brain. No, <laughs> <laughs> not not one of not something. I, I like seeing Kristen Ritter naked. I do. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I really like Kristen Ritter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, <laughs> wouldn't close my eyes if Diana Guerrero decides to do a nude scene in this season. But oh. I, I kind of hope that they've just got it out of their system and they don't yeah. feel the need to have a Game of Thrones boob quota or something at this point. Um, and we still haven't seen Cyborg. Right, yeah. yeah. Um joined the Doom Patrol during Jeff John's Titans run during the abortive one year later right after Infinite Crisis mm-hmm. um, and I think they kind of forgot about him because he was there for the, the, the Jeff for the Jeff Johns used the Doom Patrol and Titans after that for a little bit and then the next time we saw the Doom Patrol uh, it was the Keith Giffen Kevin McGuire version which oh. was super cool <laughs> I wonder how long he's going to be on it, though. If they're just going to fold him back over to Titans eventually. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but and I got to. I got, we got to mention the fart joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got to mention the fart. That that is another something that I, I think they they think Morrison would have done, but you know, that yeah. Morrison would not have done. Um, 
I'm assuming we may see the Brotherhood of Dada, which is a, a gr- which is uh, Mister Nobody's supervillain team. Okay, I heard we're getting something called Danny the Street. Danny the so Street I is another Morrison character. No idea Danny what the to Street expect is there. Is a sentient transvestite street. I'm, I'm all in for that. Sure. Okay, and that's all. <laughs> all you need to know. And he becomes like the Doom Patrol's headquarters. Okay, yeah. I'm, so we're getting I'm to the street. I'm assuming we're getting... The, the thing about the, the Brotherhood of Dada, it contains characters such as the Quiz, okay. a woman who has every superpower you never heard of. <laughs> okay. So when you meet the Quiz, you have to keep running off superpowers. If, if you name the superpower, she loses it. No shit, okay. <laughs> then there's Sleepwalk. Who is super, super, super strong and resilient when she's asleep. <laughs> All right, I like it already. So regardless of how it goes with the comic, I'm definitely hooked on this show just from then the weirdness Agent factor. Nun. Agent Nun is behind. Every time like a chair seems to fall over without any provocation or a door opens... That's Agent Nun. Okay. <laughs> it's I, I I recommend I highly recommend the uh, the Morrison run the Morrison mm-hmm. run. It, it, it's that's what I think they're tr- they're striving for. I almost it's, when when David offered me the the, the Steed comics, I almost had to say no because he's like, "You like Grant Morrison?" I'm like, "I don't." know that I've read a lot and, and secretly in my head now Dave's going to hear this and, and realize what I was holding back from him but uh, the only Grant Morrison I, I know of was what he did on the X-Men which actually caused me to leave the X-Men so <laughs> but I hear he's done some great work in other areas yeah. well this was um, I think this was his second American work mm-hmm. which was all his first work was Animal Man Okay, which I, which I also yeah. recommend. Animal Man is, and it's a very meta comic. I think I've read some of that. Yeah, I yeah. think I sought that out at one point. Uh, and Doom Patrol was as he took over for Paul Kerberberg, who didn't quite understand the the concept that this was a group of misfits and weirdos, and they end up fighting other misfits and the other misfits and weirdos that the Justice League and the Teen Titans just can't be bothered with. Right, yeah. It's like, no, that's too I weird mean, for us. You guys handle this. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, I, I'm not we sure. We fight a giant been... starfish, but you're too weird yeah. for us, you know. Well, uh, among, shall I, shall I tell you some more uh, Doom Patrol villains? Uh, if you want, and if you don't mind that this has been a longer Doom Patrol podcast than an Avengers yes. podcast. <laughs> I love talking about the Doom Patrol. I love to... <laughs> Um, unfortunately, there already is a Doom Patrol podcast. So There's seven degrees wanna... of separation here, though. We mentioned yeah. the Steed comic, so we're good. Yes. Um, classic Doom Patrol villains included General Immortus, who was a who was like uh, the chief's rival and was immortal, but mm-hmm. he aged. He had immortality, but he didn't have internal youth. So he is a supposedly. Yes. It's a shriveled old immortal man, yeah. A shriveled old immortal man. Um, the animal vegetable mineral man. <laughs> who can turn into any animal. He would pair mineral. He would pair nicely with Matter Eater Lad from the Legion, I think. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> he all there was also another character called Mr. One O Six who could turn into any of the at the time hundred and six elements. Okay. Uh, there's Mad Jack, sorry, Red Jack, who, who um, collects, who, who is powered by the screams of butterflies. <laughs> okay. And is either God or Jack the Ripper. All right. Um, I'm a, there was the, the Scissor Men, who were these other dimensional beings who big scissors for hands that cut people out of continuity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, send them over to the X-Men over at Marvel. You need, they need help. <laughs> oh, good lord. And um, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that if the show runs long enough, we're going to meet Dorothy Spinner. Okay. 
who is an, another becomes another member during the Grant Morrison run and was like the leader of the parody group uh, Doom Force. Okay. They did. They did it. The uh, Grant Morrison and I think it was Bart Sears did a Doom Force special, which was a parody of X Force. <laughs> okay. Nice. And it was. It featured the cover featured all, all the characters of Doom Force on the and it's like one member is going to die. We wonder who it will be. And there's a big arrow pointing at one of them. Shaft of Bloody Mountain. Nice. So, uh, but yeah, I'm assuming because Dor- Dorothy is she has she's like has like an ape like physique, but she twists reality. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Oh, and I, I, I admit when I saw Timothy Dalton's name on the on the in the really reminiscent of the Marvel Netflix show uh, opening sequence. Mm-hmm. I, my first thought was he was going to play the brain, and that we were going to get the brain and Mishumala, who are kind of sort of the major. Like up there with General Amortis has like the major enemies in the Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. The brain is a genius on on Niles Calder's level, who decided that his body was superfluous. Okay. So he is a brain in in the '60s episodes. It's like a it's like a it's like a big table with a brain on top. <laughs> uh, uh, George. Perez redesigned him so he had this kind of like cylindrical almost like Dalek-like exterior. Mm-hmm. And he is accompanied by Mashur Mula, a gorilla given human intelligence by the brain. DC loves their smart monkeys. Yes. <laughs> and apparently also a Gallic accent. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and they ran the Brotherhood of Evil. Which you is never another... heard of the Scottish Gorillas of the Mist? No. no. <laughs> so, so um, the Brotherhood of Evil, and that's where Mister Nobody comes from originally, because Morden was one of the when he was a normal person was a uh, a member of the Brotherhood of Evil, mm-hmm. and he had a big robot, big robot, beat things up. And, now he's sliced up digital guy. So. Now he, he's Mister Nobody. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, if they're going, I, I think they're really trying to go for the Morrison run yeah. in this. I don't think they've got the the tone quite right, but I, I do think it, it, the there are. Some, I think that I can see the potential in April Bowlby as the last girl. I think. Dalton's great. I think Frazier is great, and I, I love Diane Guerrero. Yeah. She is so perfect as as Crazy Jane. So, so yeah. So I'm willing to give it a couple more episodes. Yeah, I just I think it's bold of DC. I don't know if it's going to ultimately work for him. It, you know, it's going to be very divisive. But uh, I'm never going to say no more no to more super stuff on TV. So. You live in a golden age, even though I've given up on the CW for a while. <laughs> I'm still, I, you know, I'm still, it, I still have inertia going. Yeah, but um, I think Supergirl is getting too preachy in its political agenda right now. I just saw one of our uh, our Facebook uh, two true freaks friends, Bob Fisher, uh, post on Twitter about. And I, I said this earlier in some weekly heroic stuff that I was I liked Supergirl, but um, you know they were if they were thinking about bringing in Tyler Hoechlin for an actual Superman show, maybe that they've oh, they've they, already they kind of a Lois Lane, right? And yeah. Is, when I started the actress who played Lois Lane, it looked like a Dan Jurgens drawing come to life. She. Mm-hmm. This woman is, is is visually perfect. Like she Bob's complaint was that they've already used like so many iconic Superman plots for Supergirl that like what are you going to leave Tyler? You know, because <laughs> they're right. about they're about to do what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way, essentially. I guess. Uh, yeah, of course, because they're they're starting to create the elite. Yeah, yeah. So, 
you know, uh, yeah, come up with some original stuff, I guess, is the lesson maybe we should learn, you know. Um, so but, just taking all of Superman's that he's probably going to have to redo in his series later. <laughs> their arrow just tires me. Um, they seem insistent on keeping Roberto Diaz as, as a big bad. Yeah, like, that's what I've been reading. And yeah, he's, he, nah, he never, even from, uh, that's probably what made me stop for a while. Yeah. Was, you know, and I was enjoying that season kind of until they started focusing on that. But anywho, uh, catch up so, on the Avengers. So uh, on, a, on a scale of what to five umbrellas, what do you give the girl on the trapeze? Oh, well, yes, you got to go at least three just because it was a complete episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so that was a plus. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it around the three just because okay. no steed yet. And uh, no it was very enjoyable, but, you know, I want my steed. You know, okay, that didn't, well, we're gonna that get didn't our, sound we're gonna right. Get, <laughs> yes, I know. We're going to get steed with the Frighteners next month. So Looking forward to it. Be sure to keep the, the guys... Uh, Tell them where they can call. They can write in to to annoy us. Uh, which I would love for them to do. Um, my inbox is still empty, except for our correspondence. But it is uh, cheapscottproductions at gmail dot com. Just take cheapskate and make a cheapscottproductions at gmail dot com, and uh, you know just put in like Avengers podcast in the subject right. line, so I could filter out all the other tens of emails I get a month in that thing, so <laughs> just kidding. Put whatever, whatever you want in there. But yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback and yes. uh, and then let me know how I'm doing, because I know y'all like him already. Um, I don't but, know if they like me. <laughs> I've seen some of your responses online to your announcements. They like you. They really like you. I'm sorry. I'm a shameless promoter. <laughs> no, I am too, absolutely. Uh, and I, I have other yeah, shows feel... you can listen to as well That's on the right. network. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, like, for example, also on the Two True Freaks on the network, we made yeah. reference to the Weekly Heroics podcast. Yep, uh, we're, we're going to be covering stuff like the the boys adaptation coming up. We're going to continue with our preacher uh, coverage and Legion, and we just did a, a podcast on the Glass movie, and so all kinds of superhero related stuff popping up there. And I also do Fear the Walking Dead cast, which is a. Uh, Twice, well, we, we've whittled it. We used to do it weekly. We've whittled it down to basically twice for a uh, half season of the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, four of us just sit around and talk about zombies. So can't and, go wrong there. And, of course, over at uh, the Honeywell Experiment, where I I make Chris Honeywell watch Brian House movies. Mm-hmm. And we have an episode by now the... By the time this comes out, I'm assuming the episode uh, will have dropped for Phase BTS, where he and I sat down with the great Australian director, Brian Trenchard-Smith, to talk about his uh, Australian Hong Kong action-adventure movie, the seminal 1975 band from Hong Kong. And I'm glad you finally did it, because he's been annoying me just talking about it relentlessly for like the last <laughs> couple of weeks. So he's We're very. Ex- other, I've, I've reached out to other directors to guest curate episodes. So nice. we're hoping that that Brian and we, Brian is going to come back. Cool. We've already yeah. kind of established that. So uh, we're well, hoping I'm, to get more. I'm still banking on us getting through this quick enough that we can grab that Diana Rigg uh, interview before she, before she, she shuffles loose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, no, uh, no Patrick Mac. Patrick McNe died in 2000. I think. Yeah, yeah. Honor Blackman's still alive. I yeah. know that. I yeah. would, you know, say, I would so be happy to say inappropriate things to her on a podcast, too. And Linda Thorson is, as far as I know, still alive and still married to Bill Boggs. And the audience goes, who? <laughs> you remember Bill Boggs? In New York? No, no. Okay. Bill Boggs was the host of a of a show called Midday New York on uh, on Fox. Okay. On uh, when it was just W N W Y and uh, he married Linda Thorson and had her on a couple of times. Hmm. So Linda Thorson, who was Canadian, 
and it had to pretend to be uh, uh, English in this, the last season. So there's one. There's one time we get to hear her do her, her regular, her normal, normal action. One time, but we'll get to that. So okay, guys, check out those podcasts. Uh, um, check out the 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 the. the, the horror vault of mystery horror whatever with the Jack and Eddie boys definitely check out Earth Earth Destructive Directive Luke's got the lowdown on all sorts of kaiju goodness and absolutely anything that Andrew Leyland the uh, amazing uh, talent that did our intro is right. is on Hey Kids Comics um, and until next time people keep the champagne chill visit our website at twotruefreaks.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.